A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and today's guest is a musical director extraordinaire who loves everything from Britney to Disney. Please welcome to the mic everyone's favorite fairy god fairy, Benjamin Rauhala. Hello, you nailed it. <laughs> I stuck the landing. Slay. Well, wait, before we even get into it, I want to know, tell me about the theme song. I'm sure it's on one of the other episodes, but who wrote that? It's so good. Who's singing? What is it? It's all Amanda Dark Angelus. Work. She's a genius writer. I can't praise her enough. And I was like, hey, I'm starting this podcast. I'm going to call it Why Are You Like This? Do you think you could do the theme song? And she was like, sure. What do you want? And I was like, honestly, just like, why are you like this over and over again? And then I, I really like like a straight eight. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, she served it. So she served. props to her. Yeah. And she was like, yeah, so I just put in like 16 layers of my voice. And I was like, work, honey. I love it. I loved it. It's so good. How are you doing today? You know, what? I'm really good. I had um a big kind of stressful concert last night. And so I'm like thrilled that it went well and thrilled that it's over in equal portions. And I'm mm-hmm. seeing Miss Olivia Rodrigo at Radio City tonight. <gasps> so me and the 15-year-olds are going to live our lives. That 30-minute concert is going to be so good. Listen, it's exactly. It's like TikTok personified. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> for those kids. Apparently, at the Charlie XCX concert that just happened recently, before the concert, they just played her whole album, like her newest album from start to finish and then they were like and now you'll hear it live why would they do that's so random like who did that i refuse to believe that that was her idea she has plenty of music (laughs) it's not like it's her only album (laughs) right i'm like are they just trying to up the stream numbers like what are we doing here (laughs) they're like look listen oh my god that's gonna be great i bet i just saw lord at radio city and it was the first thing i've seen at radio city and you know what what a great venue. I first person to say it. Great place. Radio City Musical. Oh, yeah. I mean, what icons have I seen there? I mean, I've seen, I, well, I saw the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend cast, you know, Rachel Bloom oh. and all that. Um, and I saw Kelly Clark's a legend. I saw her there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, me and Adrian Warren went. That was so fun. Oh, my gosh. So when nice. was that? 2015? Um, and I went to the Tony Awards a couple moments there, like the one where Adina was singing from If Then. I was there for that. What was that, 2014? Oh, my God. It's hallowed ground, baby. 
famous. I saw the only time I've seen Kelly Clarkson was the Breakaway Tour. And I went, it was like, I had like two childhood friends who were girls and I, but they went and sat like by themselves. They had like a different seat. I was like by myself. And I think I had to be, I was in middle school because it was like when my parents got divorced is when I really got into that album. So thank you, Kelly. And I wasn't gay as an out person, but I knew, I knew something was different. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I saw her. I mean, that was like, I mean, she's incredible always, but that was the vocal peak because she didn't Mm -hmm. know how hard their songs were yet. You know what I mean? (laughs) They just kept having her sing G's on everything. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. I saw her on, um. It was the Kiss 108 Jingle Ball. So the album had come out like the month before and I definitely audio bootlegged it. And it's definitely, I think it's probably her band's first show on some of the songs. The guitar player fully forgets how Behind These Hazel Eyes goes and she's sure. very <laughs> confused by it. Oh my God. And then she sang Beautiful Disaster with the piano and R.I.P. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Just dead. Ugh. Dead. Yeah. Jason, her music director is a genius. I love so let's, we're going to nerd out about pop music for the next hour. I guarantee it. We Great. might talk about a musical if you want. Uh, <laughs> I love that journey for us. But let's start at the beginning. What was, what was growing up like? How was, how was little Ben? <laughs> uh, I'm like RuPaul. I have a photo of you. I'm like, talk to oh, hilarious. old Ben. Hilarious. Um, you know, I grew up in uh, towns in Massachusetts, which is the middle of nowhere. Towns end. Like, they made that town and they said, that is enough of that part of America. I literally um, thought you said I grew up in towns, like multiple towns. Oh, no, just the one. Just, just one. one <laughs> where I also spent a lot of my pandemic. Um, you know, it's like a mm, population 8,000, 9,000 town. Uh, I was a little kid who... Uh, before I could talk, I was drawing, and what I was drawing was mermaids and Dorothy and Mary Poppins. So, you know, <laughs> I came out this way. Uh, I played with dolls. My parents were really cool about it, actually. You know, I had an aerial doll, and that was, like, my best friend. I was, like, a really quiet kid. I got into music. Um, my dad um, is a trumpet player and a lawyer. Both of my parents are lawyers, but my dad was always playing trumpet on the side and like, the town bands and different... Um, like musicals even, like I sat in the pit with him for The Sound of Music once when it was sold out. What is that sound? I'm being attacked. Are you getting that? (laughs) Nope, only you. Okay, there we go. We're back. Um, Yeah, I sat in the pit with him at The Sound of Music. They had me in show blacks when I was like five. And I remember the kids on stage looking down in the pit being like, what is that child doing down there? So that was one of my first, (laughs) exactly, one of my first stages of uh, moments behind the scenes. Um... But around age seven, I started playing the piano. I uh, My grandmother took me to see Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. Um, I saw Miss Susan Egan. And my reaction to it was to come home and take two chairs in my mom's room, uh, drape a blanket over it, and play home on my cassette tape over and over and pretend to play the piano along to it. And I begged to have piano lessons. So, you know, and that's what, you know, what I do now. I know. What a it's takeaway. so interesting. <laughs> the Beauty and the yeah. Beast, I think... I'm going to say it, the best of the Disney musicals. Like, it's just, it's mm -hmm. beyond. And the fact that, like, I mean, you can license it. You've been able to license it for years. And, like, from peak money to, like, kids doing it in a cafetorium, it's just a beautiful, beautiful show that everyone's excited to play a napkin. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's iconic. And I go to see, like, I will go see any random, like, local production of Beauty and the Beast. That and Mamma Mia, if it's playing anywhere near me, wherever I am, I will go. <laughs> yes. I got a fat, you know, it's like uh, the end of serial season one, where they're, like, trying to figure out who Anand Sayed like, did he do it? It's also like, who is Sophie's dad? It's the same for me. <laughs> Gets me every time. Gets me every time. So you just really got into the piano part of Beauty and the Beast. I really, really did. Yeah. So I started taking piano lessons then. Uh, gosh, I got roped into doing marching band when I was 13 because I didn't have any friends in middle school. And in marching band, you could join in eighth grade and like start to make friends with high schoolers. And so my parents thought it would be a good idea. I meant to play the bass drum, but they found out I read music. So I ended up playing like xylophone and glockenspiel in the pits. Marimba? Yeah, marimba. Eventually I became like sort of a competitive percussionist. I did drum and bugle corps, which is like, yeah, four mallets. Exactly. Yep. You, you don't got to explain drum corps to me. I know what drum no. corps is, honey. Oh, oh, there we go. Yeah. So I marched with the Spartans, which was a smaller group for three years and the cadets for two years. Um, and I was very like a very hardcore percussionist uh, through college. Um, but there's the whole way I got into musical theater and all that. But anyway, you asked about childhood and that's sort of how <laughs> I got into music. Um, yeah, I marched for two years in high school. Um, what did you play? So I played trumpet from sixth grade <gasps> of till. Of course you did. Very, of yeah. I mean, I still did. have the same trumpet under my bed for like every once in a while. They'll be like, could you play? And I'm like, I guess like if you send it to me, I'll figure it out. How have you not ended up in a production of Cabaret yet? They always do that. That's what I'm saying. I literally, that's the only score I can play because multiple times has it been sent to me. Anyway, um, so I played trumpet and then I got to high school and there were like 6 million people who also played trumpet. And I had a, um, a crush on the drum major. She was a senior. I was a freshman and she played French horn. So I switched. So then I played Expensive. French horn. Well, from the school. <laughs> oh, yeah. But still, I mean, the sound of the French horn is expensive. Is expensive, for sure. So what did I end up marching? The mellophone. The mellophone, like the signature gay instrument, honestly, <laughs> like really iconic. It's like four of us. And if you like break it down, it's like me, gay person, uh, one tiny, nerdy Asian kid from Korea, the blonde skinny girl who really loves to draw like dark, scary things. Um, and then like someone who definitely grew up playing oboe. And uh, that was us <laughs> marching along. <laughs> no, we love mellophone because it's like that in the baritone horn. They're like fake instruments. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're like only for marching. They're like trumpet, <laughs> cool. Like the tuba, cool. The mellophone and the baritone horn, you're like, okay, <laughs> sure. Like, cool, I guess. Um so yes, I did march. Uh, I grew up in Oregon, so there were a lot of Oregon Crusaders. Oh, uh, absolutely. Yeah. And then I made out with an Oregon Crusader. That definitely happened. For sure. Why not? Yeah. Everybody always came back like super sunburnt and very skinny. Oh, I was I was very skinny and very, very tan. Like <laughs> like I you know, it's like I don't even try to get tan anymore because I will never look like that. Um, but gosh, I look at those pictures and I'm like, oh, I was a beautiful young person. <laughs> just a beautiful little leather couch just walking around, hitting, <laughs> hitting four mallets everywhere. I know. Now people are into like different type of leather things with me, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is great. You know, we love to grow and evolve. <laughs> exactly. So were you out really young? Um, I came out, let's see. 
uh, I started coming out to people when I was 15, like sophomore in high school. Um, I definitely like in middle school, you know, was starting to know things about myself. Like, we're just going to be crass. Like I would like, uh, pretend to masturbate thinking about Britney Spears, but think about Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like (laughs) that that kind of psychologically. Yeah. I mean, everybody knew I was gay before I did. Like I, I didn't sing for a long time, but I did like sing. I got rhythm in my fourth grade talent show and was called gay for the first time the next day. And I was like, what is, and like girly girl and this or that. And I was in fourth grade. I mean, I was gay, but I didn't, I didn't know. And it's, it's not like I was even having gay thoughts unless having gay thoughts is loving how Jody Benson sounds on the crazy for you cast album. (laughs) That's very gay. It's not even Jody Benson, Little Mermaid. It's crazy for you. Totally. You know, my dad had played in the pit for crazy for you probably four months before that. And so he'd bought me the cassette tape and I was into it. Um, but so I, you know, and so I was teased, you know, mercilessly. I was like really bullied in middle school. And I, of course, was like very into the Spice Girls and to Britney Spears and would wear my T-shirts and be like, girls can like whatever music they like. Why does me liking Britney Spears make me gay? Okay. It's just music. And then by the time I was in 10th grade, I felt like I was disappointing everyone because all of my friends had like defended me all this time, like been there for me, like been my, you know, been my, def- you know, support system. And then I was like, okay, so like, but I am the really cliche gay person. Like everyone thought it was, and it was true. And that was, um, I mean, one of the things that was hard about it, you know, it was just <laughs> also the fact that I came out to people when in retrospect, everyone was like, uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Gay. But, sure. but they, <laughs> what is it? There's that scene in Love, Simon where like he, someone comes out, right. And like someone pretends to be surprised. I'm like too much, too much. <laughs> 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 that was all of my friends. Except I had one, and I'm going to leave him nameless, but he came to my 16th birthday party. I hadn't come out to him yet. He came in Britney Spears' drag. I mean, bad Britney Spears' drag. This is a small town. I mean, it was 16. And then when I came out to him, he, like, refused to be my friend, which I was like, what is what is the disconnect here? I don't know. But, you know, it was a different time. It was 2003, you know? <laughs> Wonderful time. Great time. I mean, there are a couple of things that are just, like, I mean, as – we are recording this in 2022. There's just like a lot of talk about like grooming and what have you and all that nonsense. And it's like so many of us were told we were gay like you before we had knowledge of what that meant or what that meant for us and how we were. And it, it is hard. Like it, it, we're full on grownups who are successful in doing things. So it's like, we can look back at it and be like, Oh yeah. You know, but it, it's it's cruel and it it does shape people and you can like Britney Spears and not be gay. You just happened to be gay. I just happened to be gay. Exactly. So I was in defensive. I had friends, you know, my friend John Gilmartin, who did karate with me, still straight. But he and I went to Britney Spears concerts together. I think his relationship go. with her was a little different than mine, but we both loved the music. Um, but this coming out was kind of a slow process for me in the sense of. Uh, you know, I probably told like in the first year, I probably told the, the the amount of people I could hold on my hand, which in retrospect is hilarious because everybody knew, but I was not self-aware. Um, <clears throat> and you had very dexterous hands. You were playing with oh, four there mallets. You <laughs> yeah, you were ready to go. <laughs> there we go. Exactly. Um, but I didn't tell my parents until uh, I decided I wasn't going to tell my parents till I had a boyfriend because um, I didn't feel like it was real until I did. And also... 
I had privileges. Like I was allowed to have girls sleep over and I was allowed to have guys sleep over because they were in denial, but they definitely knew that me and the girls were not having sex in the basement. And um, I didn't want to screw up a good thing because me and the guys, no, no one was having sex. There was nobody gay. Um, but, but, <laughs> but I wanted to keep the possibility. Yeah. No, I wish there had been anybody. I, there was nobody where I grew up. I mean, well, okay. The there was one end. closet was case guy. We all have one, right? We all yeah, have one. Has one. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there was nobody out. That's for sure. Yeah. I, I didn't come out till I was 19, but I kind of had the similar thing where like I was always in theater and I was always like, I didn't come out till I was in college. Like I had fully been like, I am going to go get a BFA in musical theater. And I remember (laughs) jumping on my friend still to this day, my friend Charlotte's um, dorm room bed. And we were like jumping from twin bed to twin bed while we were watching high school musical. And I was talking about my best friend, Trevor. And I was like, Oh, Trevor's going to come visit. I'm so excited. And she was like, is Trevor a friend or like a friend? And I was like, I'm not gay. And I like stormed out of her dorm. Uh, we're both gay now so it's that's hilarious uh, Charlotte and I Trevor's been out since yeah. we were fetuses but I had a similar thing where it was, there are a few people in my life who were like it it's totally cool but like I did defend you for like years <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally it was like some people really were like a little betrayed by it my brother especially he was like oh well, I've spent like a lot of energy defending your honor. And I was like, I didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I came out to my sister while we were driving in the car from a Forever 21 accessory store, um, listening to Miley Cyrus's See You Again. And when I came out, she said, cool, but I like this song. So we turned it back on. <laughs> you know, similarly, I came out to my brother... We were driving home from, I'm from the country, remember? So we were driving home from Mm. Walmart. (laughs) (laughs) The 24-hour Walmart. Yes. Um, And Sarah McLachlan was playing. I remember that. It was like the Mirrorball Live album, I want to say. But yeah, I didn't tell my parents until, you know, so I started coming out to people 15, like middle of 15. And then I didn't tell my parents until right before my 18th birthday when I finally had a boyfriend for two weeks before we broke up. Uh, <laughs> I told my I mom, then didn't tell my dad, actually, because I was like, I told my mom that we broke up, and I was like, oh, never mind, it doesn't matter. Maybe I'm not gay. <laughs> um, and Fair. it was like, that was January. We got to March, and it's my 18th birthday. My dad brings home Chinese food from our favorite place, and we all sit down to eat dinner, me, my dad, and my mom. Uh, and uh, I start, t- I take a bite of my orange chicken, and he goes, so your mother tells me you're gay. And I <laughs> spat out my food. I mean, like, turned bright red. Like, what do you even do? He was so supportive and said nice things. I vaguely remember, but mostly I was blacked out. And, like, the look I must have shot my mother. You know what I mean? <laughs> but also, like, I mean, good for my dad. But how do you start that conversation? But the most embarrassed I've ever been in my life. So your mother tells me you're gay. Like you're like, okay, I just wanted to have some orange chicken from the local Chinese place in Townsend, Massachusetts. Oh, happy birthday to me. Being gay, what a journey. What a journey. But what a gift. You know what a gift. I honestly wouldn't trade it. I say anytime I'm out dancing, and it's become like a running joke that I will look up at a disco ball and I'll look at my friends and I will say to whoever is the closest person next to me, I love being gay because I, I truly do. It's one of my favorite things about my existence on this planet and like the people that I've met. Um, but it, it is 
very awkward and bumpy on the way to actually it always is it doesn't i'm not like fixed i'm not like feeling totally comfortable no i mean i get it you know it's like but yeah the first i don't know the first 16 years of it are very very hard very hard (laughs) uh and then it gets a little easier but i did like because i wasn't like there were no gay people around I went to college and had crush on like a million bottoms and didn't understand why they weren't into me. I didn't know that like there are like almost genders within the gender. Like no one teaches you that. Our sex ed was like abstinence only for straight people. Yes. Mm. We had, to, we watched a birth. And uh, I remember- oh yeah. I'm still, I'm permanently scarred by it. It was very hairy. It yeah, was very, yeah, yeah. very I was like, <laughs> what? And then, I remember we watched this weird documentary about like some town that only had like the vibe was on a Friday night. We get in a car and we drive the strip back and forth and they like all got chlamydia because there was nothing to do. So they were all having sex and they're like, so if you have sex, you will get chlamydia. And then like later on in life, I realized that you could just get a shot and you'll be fine if you you get chlamydia. So like it wasn't actually that big of a deal. Oh no, that's just, I'm so, I'm like, so mean girls program. I'm like, you will get chlamydia and die. And die. <laughs> the end. <laughs> sex ed. Goddamn. Queer people need sex ed more than straight people. I tell you what. Jesus. Oh, let me tell you, there are a lot of lessons I, I think I'm still learning. So, oh, I'm yeah, Googling really... all the time. I'm constantly like, can somebody write an article so I know how to do this, please? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. But sex is fun. As long as you giggle after, I think it's great. I'm not like a giggle during person, Mm -hmm. um, but after (laughs) is fine. After is fine. Like a little after giggle. I guess, yeah, yeah, if in the middle of it, I'm just like, hee 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 hee. You're like. Remind me to tell my mom not to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I just got off this Disney tour, right? I feel like I'm like the iCarly girl. I'm like, I actually do cuss a little. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like that meme. (laughs) Speaking of. Jesus Christ, you're touring with Disney princesses. Yeah. The world. And you grew up playing with like an Ariel doll and Beauty and the Beast made you play piano. So that has to feel incredible, right? It has to be a shit ton of work, but. I was sure, but it's, I mean, it's, no, it's, I mean, it's a gift. I mean, the show is so fun to do every day. I mean, the women I get to do it with are incredible. You know, sometimes I'm like caught up in the work of it. And like there's, you know, I'm on the producing side. So there's a lot of things day to day. But doing the show is always magical and um, very full circle. And in the show, I get to start and I open the show and I talk about playing with dolls when I was a kid and being alone and like not feeling like I fit in and like getting to where I got to now. And um, and I love, I love getting to share that because it's something I was so ashamed of as a kid now. And now it's something that I get to celebrate and be applauded for and then also just like help other people feel seen and accepted and you just never know what kids are out there i've gotten some amazing beautiful letters from parents also some hideous ones but mostly the really beautiful amazing ones (laughs) um yeah i mean it's really i feel very firmly that i'm living exactly kind of the life that i was supposed to do like the reason I p- learned to play the piano was so that I could play along with a recording of Susan Egan, who I own a company with now and tour the world with, you know, it's, um, it's really, it is. And it's a full out, like from it being a little 54 below scrappy show to being a giant Disney production, it's a full like Disney, unbelievable fairy tale. And it's really, I'm, <laughs> I'm I, I've been home for about eight days now from the first leg of our 
tour. We did 57 cities. And I'm just now starting to be like, that really happened. You know, it's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, and I'm just riding high on it. You know what I mean? I feel like I'm vibrating at such like a happy, happy high level right now because I don't know. It took a lot of doubt out of my life to just do that and live in my purpose for a few months, you know? I think that's a big thing about like essentially being like gig artists, you know, when you get that long project or you get that big contract and you get to just do what like your body and your mind feel like you're meant to do. It's so freeing. Your days are so different. Like, yes, it's tiring. Yes, it's hard work. Yes, you get frustrated, what have you. But at least for me, I'm like, yeah, but I wake up that morning and I know what my purpose is and I go and I do a job that like I'm like built for. Like this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm not wasting time. I'm not like getting money from something that it, it doesn't bring me anything. And I get to share that with people. Like it's so special. And I think that's why it's definitely not comparable to, to what you did. But when people like come off a cruise ship tour and they're like, I'm a rock star. And I'm like, yeah, because you've been a rock star on a cruise ship for six months. Yeah. You know, it's addicting. Totally. I Exactly. It's, and it was wild. I, it's wild being here again and sort of being a little bit back in the hustle, but trying to figure out how in the hustle or not I want to be, because we have another leg of the tour and I don't have to hustle, but I've, I just, just moved back to the city like four days ago. And, um, I've been mostly out for the pandemic and I, all of my habits here are in relation to being overbooked and being in the hustle. And I fell back into it really quickly. I'm like, I don't think I want to do that. I don't have to do that. But what is living here if I don't do that? And so I'm, uh-huh. I'm currently in the mix of that, you know? Uh, yeah. Ooh. No. Yeah. That was, I stayed here for the pandemic and I like how we, whatever, there's no definitive way to talk about when it started and when it ended but like <laughs> totally. i was I'm here like, the whole know. time and now that i can you know they're telling we can go to work again it's very like what like i had an audition yesterday that luckily not luckily i work very hard there were only three of us in the waiting room and i like text my friend sean sean doherty and i was like remember when we would just sit in holding rooms for hours like before work as our day that seems crazy to me because <laughs> we yeah. just haven't been doing it. And so, yeah, there's always that negotiation of um, how do I use my energy smarter now that yeah. I have another chance to pursue things? Totally. And how do, you know, I spent a lot of the pandemic learning to take care of myself better and my body and have better habits and prioritize my well being. And I, my New York city habits don't involve that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And so, you know, I'm used to just like being booked beginning of day to end today with whatever rehearsal it's supposed to be. And so, uh, and it feels selfish taking that time to be like, no, no, no I'm going to go to the gym or whichever. And I have a little too busy this week to even get to entertain the idea. But I, uh, that's my big experiment this summer is figuring out how I can sort of meld those two lives together. And, and I do have this really blessed opportunity that like I, did get paid to do that Disney thing, which is crazy because it was very fun for me. And sometimes I really would forget. And then every two weeks, like something would direct deposit and be like, oh, this is a job. I forgot. <laughs> um, and so if I wanted to, I could really step back and really mellow out for the next six months. But I never have. And that's very scary to me. And yeah. so, but I'm going to try to lean into that because I want to have some fun. I want to date. I want to see whatever concerts I want to see. I want to go to see my friends and other things. 
Um, I want to spend time outdoors. I want to travel. I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. <laughs> that was beautiful. That was actually a thank very, you so much. That was a very good segue. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, nailed it. Well, <laughs> I think this is a perfect time to ask you the question of the podcast, which is, why are you like this? <laughs> hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. <laughs> Why am I like this? Does the question get any more detailed or do I just go on a random tangent? You can go on a tangent. I can I can talk to how I feel you are and you could tell me if I'm a liar. It's totally up to you. Hilarious. Do you want me to go first or you? <laughs> I'll go first. Ben. Okay. You have been able to take your love of pop music and Disney and performance and performers and have turned it into a pretty singular career from what I've seen and that had to take like guts and a lot of determination and a lot of planning and beyond that I just want to know like how did you figure that out how did you know that like these are going to be the projects that make you feel special and whole and do they affect you in your day-to-day as like a person or is it just a job Wow. Was that helpful? Um, thank you. No, that is so helpful. No, um, that is. I, I, uh, you can also you. ignore thank it and be like, eh, no, 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 that's beautiful. I mean, I, most of the projects that now I've become, you know, that have gotten larger in my life or things that I've become known for were things that I created for myself as avenues to be a music director or a creative person because 
I knew I'm, um, I'm not like a virtuoso pianist. I'm not like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not going to say I'm untalented or anything. I'm a talented musician, but I'm not a kid genius. I, uh, but what I do have, um, I'm a very compassionate person. I'm very connected to the singers in my life. Like that's like custod of my lifeline is, um, the people in my life who are generally the performers in my life and figuring out how to make them feel comfortable and showcase them well and happily. And so um, when I was in kind of drier periods of my career, um, starting 10 years ago, and, you know, I had done an off-Broadway show that was canceled three weeks in because they ran out of money and this or that. I was like, no, 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 I know how to do this. I can make my own thing. And so I just started making the kind of work that I would want to see and playing the kind of music that I would want to play with my friends. Um, And because it started from a place of love, I think that's probably what has carried me through most of my career. Uh, because why am I like this? I guess my mom particularly is a like infinitely compassionate woman. She uh, just retired last year, but she worked for the Department of Children and Families for, oh my gosh, I think 40 years almost, where she defended kids in court in bad situations. And um, still it maintained like being one of like the kindest, most optimistic people, just like a fierce defender of people, but so kind. If you're ever lucky enough to meet her, she is such an open-hearted human and she really, really cares for people. And I think when I entered uh, sort of what theater is, uh, which happened sort of later in life, honestly, I had singer friends growing up, but I did my first musical in college uh, as a music director um, I realized that the whole kind of crux of my job was to care for most of the singers in my life and make sure that they felt seen, safe, um, and okay being vulnerable out there and knowing that I was going to catch them. And so I, and I, you know, I think that um, emphasis on compassion came from my mother. Uh, and so I have spent the last, you know, I guess 16, 17 years of my life um, taking care of the people in my life, but especially the singers in my life. And I think a lot of the time, I write a lot of people's one-man, one-woman shows with them, uh, you know, from like Jeremy Jordan, Ariana DeBose, whatever, name drop, name drop. But it's that it's... Um, but that friends. it's... I know, but it's... But the but that what is fun about it for me is it's sort of like, I'm like a little bit their therapist, a little bit their music director, and it's sort of a vessel for me and the singer to get to know each other really well. And then for me to help them express truths about themselves that they might have been too scared to put out or just to put out art that feels very authentic to them in a way that they couldn't see for themselves because none of us see ourselves, you know, none of us really hear ourselves. We have to have somebody outside of ourselves to be like, oh, you just told that entire story and this is what I heard. And so a lot of what I do is just a vehicle for expressing my friendships with people and my relationships with the singers in my life who are my friends in my life. And, and I'm very lucky that, you know, my ha- my hobbies are my job. And I, sometimes I found that frustrating in my career, but mostly I think it's fun. I think you said it really well that it's actually, it's very like, it's very singular that my life is very focused and it's very streamlined. And I really don't have a problem with that because it is still fun for me. Um, all of it is still fun for me. And Except like doing band charts and stuff, it's yeah. sort of miserable. But now I have money, so I can pay other people to do it. Which there's is so rich. there's always someone fresh out of college who's like super excited to do it. And uh, I know we love God it. God bless them. 
No, I think there's just something I admire in people like you. Um, something that I have struggled with as an actor for a very long time is that a lot of it felt to me passive. Like there's just a lot of stuff that you're told as you're auditioning or you're trying to get going and you're trying to get stuff that like is meant to be helpful, but ultimately kind of makes you feel not in control or it made me feel not in control. Like you can go into the audition. This is true. You can go into the audition room and like really fuck shit up, do incredible work and leave and you are too short and you don't book. So people saying it's out of your hands. That's not your concern in a way to make you feel free of that, like actually made me feel worse. Cause it felt like, okay, well, it sounds like I'm not in control of anything. Like if I can go in and do my best, if you can go in and play the hell out of a piano and they're just like, we actually know this other person. So they're going to do the show that feels out of control. But when you get to create your own stuff and be kind of the, the moving force for it, I feel like that like opens up so much for people and lets them become bigger and better artists and eventually do bigger and better projects. I think. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) you know, yeah. And what, what was really lucky about being in my position is we would do these Q and A's on the Disney tour and people would say, you know, like what Disney character are you going to be like, what Disney princess would you want to be to the girls? And I'm there. So I'll answer but I'm like, honestly, I was more, I'm flounder. You know what I mean? I'm that person. And I never wanted to be Ariel, you know what I wanted to, but I wanted to be next to Ariel, helping her get through it. And so when I was, and still am producing my own thing, nobody, it's, there's always somebody in front. You know what I mean? Like, it's not generally, it's not like Ben Rahula and whoever. It's like, it's Ben Rahula, but it's like, it's all of the other people in my life that I'm showcasing, putting forward. And so it, what that afforded me was the ability to not look as egotistical as it probably was. You know what I mean? <laughs> that it was like me making my 22 friends sing Britney Spears songs or Spice Girls or whatever because I felt like it. You know, it's like I the singers were doing it because they loved me. You know, back in the day, like we didn't, I didn't pay them because we had no money. I do now. But um, like I think about like 10 years ago, we did Broadway Loves the Spice Girls. There were 45 people in that concert. You know what I mean? Because there were multiple groups of five girls and boys, you know, and everybody did it for free because we were all just in our 20s and and people did it because they cared about me and I was producing with Shoshana Feinstein and they cared about what we wanted to do. And, you know, I don't think any of them really wanted to learn a Spice Girls song, but it was... I had, but I, all of those people, I'd help them get ready for their auditions, for their concerts, for their this, for their that. And we were all friends. And, um, but yeah, so people came to that concert being like, oh my God, all these stars are there, this or that. But secretly it was like my narcissistic passion project that I was doing to make myself feel like I had a career when Broadway wasn't calling. Because the other thing about being a musician in this town for example, Broadway, it's illegal to audition musicians for a Broadway musical. It is only networking and playing in front of people. Um, so in the same thing about like what happens in whatever rooms, it's like I knew that I had to fight to get on a stage because if I was going to get any work, people were going to have to see me play. And I wasn't going to, I couldn't wait to for people's permission because quite frankly, I couldn't afford to. You know yeah. what I mean? Like with what money was I going to sit around and wait? Um, I did not know that. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> Can we talk about something that's way different? Yeah, absolutely. Go for I, it. 
you're the only person I can talk to about this. I really want to talk about one of my favorite albums, Rare by Selena Gomez. <gasps> oh my gosh, the legendary go mesmerizing. Okay, Rare <laughs> slash Rare Deluxe. We're here to talk about it. Slash I'm here to get on my soapbox. Um, why don't you recognize I'm so rare? Let's recognize it, okay? I think it's Let's brilliant. Yes. I mean, like, Justin Trancer, Julia Michaels, geniuses. Yeah. Um, and I was, this is a while ago. I was listening to, I think Justin was on Las Colceristas and was talking about working with Selena. And was just like, the thing that makes her incredible is that she always knows she knows where music is going. She knows where she fits and what she wants to do. And she can make a sound that she knows is going to be the next idea or the next thing that everyone is doing in a way that like a lot of people just like, don't have that focus. And um, I, I think the album is just so good. Like, it's just like, so it perfectly fits her. I think people give Selena Gomez a lot of shit about like, quote unquote, not being able to sing, which is nonsense. Everyone can sing differently and everyone can sing however the Mm -hmm. hell they want. But as like a cohesive pop album from top to bottom, I think it's kind of untouchable. Absolutely. You know, I will say it was also uh, amongst the many things in life that were a victim of the pandemic. um, (laughs) (laughs) That album did not get its full, you know, promotional spree because of everything that happened. Um, Absolutely. I mean, it's I mean, well, there's the song. It feels cliche to talk about it, but her vulnerability is her most beautiful asset. Um, she uh, she's an incredible stylist as a singer. You know what I mean? It's and yeah, of course. Like if you breathe on her, she goes flat. You know what I mean? But that's because <laughs> she is singing in such a particular, fascinating little way. Like she really found her niche. Her lyric writing with Julia and Justin, it's actually really, really strong. Really incredible. It's a great pop album. And the deluxe version has some extra bops and it reorders it. And actually, I think it's even stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an amazing collective body of work. Um, I mean, there's great storytelling in there. There's just like a lot of heart, a lot of emotion. Selena, um, like Britney, those are like two of my favorite girls. I think I get drawn to singers like that because I feel very deeply that like Selena or Britney, like, needs me in their, their life a little bit. Like if I had like 45 minutes with Selena Gomez at a piano, like I could like turn her life upside down. <laughs> um, I fully actually, I remember I had a dream in the pandemic where I was um, rehearsing the song boyfriend with her, which was, you know, a sort of a, I want a boyfriend. Exactly. It was like a single in April of 2020, which was just not going to work out for her. No. Um, but um, a bop and, but she, I was working with her and she was so scared um, to sing on television because she was so scarred by what happened at the American Music Awards when she was having a little bit of a panic attack on stage. And I was coaching her through it. And I remember we like did it on, I think it was like Jay Leno, which doesn't exist anymore, but um, it was a dream. So we forgive. Uh, but we did it acoustic and we did it kind of under tempo so she could catch her breath. And she was brave and she nailed it. But I like that it's, I don't know why. It's like singers like that. I'm like so drawn to that energy where I was like, you need me, you love me. Not so drawn the, the parallel because my Jen Damiano is a girl who I work with. You know, well, Jen, we love Tony yeah. Award nominee Jen Damiano, who um, when we had started working together doing her concerts, she had become very scared about belting after um, Next to Normal and sort of had moved into sort of a quieter, you know, whisper sing part of her career. And um, it was one of my greatest joys to sort of like, we spent a lot of time together working at the piano and coaching and we kind of got her back into owning that other part of her voice. And 
and we're so bonded by that too. You know what I mean? By just that like shared experience of building her back up. And, um, and I think about that and, you know, and she and I love Selena. She does, yeah. actually, Jen Damiano does an amazing bad liar. Uh, the Selena Gomez Ooh. song. Bop. Um, Bop. But I love that. Um, what's your favorite song on Rare? On Rare, I like, um, what have I been, what have I been toying with? I have it pulled up in front of me so that I can be correct here. I really love Ring. Yes. I just love the styling on Ring, like the physical word. Yeah. Um, oh my god! And the long delayed uh, Selena Gomez Rare Revival concert that I don't know if it'll ever happen, but that was Ari Groover's number. Which, uh, if you know Ari Groover, that's like so correct. Yes. Did you know Rang actually? There's a demo. Normani did it, which is interesting. I don't know if she wrote it or if it was just that Normani had recorded it and then didn't use it. Who knows? Um, mine is Crowded Room because Ooh. I'm telling you, Selena's voice on it. She goes to this wild, like caramel colored soprano place when she goes way up high, and it's actually i'm like nobody sounds like that and that's not a studio that's not something weird that is like she has incredible style and it's an incredibly unique voice it's not a voice that should be on stage eight times a week or something but um but i would listen to her sing the phone book um, yeah i think it's beautiful there's a great interview with her and kelly clarkson so just two legends wait wait, wait. i was there i was there and <gasps> i have to tell you because that was my birthday um, that was my birthday, March 4th, 2020. I had tickets. To, I flew out to L.A. to see her on. Uh, and of course, it was like all my friends were trying to get me backstage to say hi to them. But they were like, mm, they're like worried about COVID. And I was like, oh, I had COVID. Who cares? Who cares? Um, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> A week later, I had no career. Um, uh, but that day also was when the Disney contract got signed. I got out of the taping of the Kelly Clarkson show. And I had the phone call that like the lawyers had worked through the paperwork and we were moving forward. And I was like, uh, and I just turned 30, what was that? Three. Um, now I'm like 30 million. Um, <laughs> but there was, it was a longer quote and I wish I'd had my voice memo on, but Kelly actually said to her that it's like, you know, I had this talk with Brittany and I literally spoke about Brittany. I was with Nick Adams. So we were like, and she was like that not everybody needs to be like a Whitney Houston type of voice that it's like, there's that it's like we need your kinds of like that's like voices that tell a story and they're sweet. You're what you do is so special and so unique. But she fully talked about Britney, which got cut out of the episode because I think you know I think gays about Britney, myself included, get a little Will Smith like keep my wife's name out of your <laughs> mouth. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like you know because it could have been like, did you just call Britney Spears a bad singer? A bad singer. And no, what but no. Kelly did was she lumped her in with Selena and said no, no, no. It's like what you guys do is heart and style, and it's not about always wailing on the crazy highest notes it's about i don't know expressing your truth through music which they both do beautifully gorgeously yeah i think about that a lot and i think about an interview with kelly o'hara that was kind of the same thing but just kind of focused solely on musical theater where she was like i don't know how people do eight bars because like i don't have and this is kelly o'hara she's like i don't have that giant money note that like lights up the room but I fully tell you a story and I tell you a song. And I was like, that it, singing competitions have done a lot. And <laughs> it's just like important to remember that there's all types of musicians and singers. And uh, yeah. I don't think Selena Gomez gets her due. And I knew that you loved her. 
And so I just yeah. wanted to talk about her for a little bit. I know. And and I will say the like poor thing. Like she obviously was that one Lucy to Love Me performance really tanked that album campaign. And then she never performed it live again. But let me tell you, it's like, you know, just someone should have really on her team been like, let's put you in a lower stakes situation and have you do this. It's just like when Adina, you know, reefed it at the Academy Awards, she went on Jimmy Fallon the next day, sang it down a half step, let it go with the roots and she crushed it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, like anxieties and nerves happen. It's part of what makes her an interesting performer. And, you know, obviously no performer should be forced to do something they don't want to do. If she didn't want to sing anymore, she didn't want to sing. She never sang another performance for the rest of the promoting the album. But um, it's just really, I don't know. It's too bad. We were the, the, we have like internet vulture culture, you know what I mean? And just mm-hmm. because someone goes on stage and is nervous to perform after not doing it for two years, after living through lupus and this or that, that doesn't mean that they can't sing. You know what I mean? It's just like, like uh, give her a break. Give everyone a break. Haven't we? Aren't, isn't life hard enough? Jesus, <laughs> like you're listening to somebody sing on YouTube. You You have extra time. Just if it's not pleasant to you, find another one and move on. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Me on my YouTube. My YouTube channel is my queendom. When people leave negative comments, I just delete them. I'm like, this is my space. This is not for you. Delete. 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 I don't need anybody reading that. That's a big thing for me, too. I'm like, it's my feed. If I don't, it's not bringing me joy, I don't need to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ben, we have got to that point of the podcast where we start winding down and I ask all of my guests... Do you have any questions for me? Do I have any questions for you? Okay, let's think about this. Um, okay, what is your favorite Britney Spears album? Album? Glory. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, that makes sense. You love Justin and Julia. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a favorite track on the record? Um, I like She Looks Just Like Me a lot. I love the one. I love the guitar group. Just like me, right? That's the guitar one, like where she's talking about walking and then the the girl yeah. with her boyfriend that looks just like her. And like <laughs> her tone on it is just like so breathy and mm-hmm. smart and oh God. Yeah, I love no, I, I love Glory. It's sexy. I mean, it's like she's such a stylist there. Um Slay, Slay. Slay, Slay, um, Slay. Were you into the Spice Girls at all when you were younger, or were you a little too young and missed that phase? I was a little too young, and I'm the oldest, so I didn't have, like, so it's me and my sister, and, yeah. like, there there's nothing, like, outwardly, like, boys do this, girls do that in my world, but I, because, like, I fucking loved the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC, so it wasn't clearly, <laughs> I clearly wasn't, like, avoiding that culture, <laughs> but I didn't have the Spice Girls. No, yeah, um, you were just a couple years under it. I totally get yeah. it. Ooh, Clumsy um, is also great. The oops into the beat drop is so good. Oh, my God, so fun. What a fun... <laughs> I, I worked on the first reading of the Britney Spears musical when Jerry Mitchell was directing. It was like it was a whole different time, and it's a long, dramatic story. But Clumsy at the time, the character's still in the musical, but the song was in there at the time. And let me tell you, that song did not work in a musical theater context, <laughs> no matter what you do to it. Um, I mean, what are you going to do? Tried. What are you going to do? Oops. Boom. Bam, bam. Like, and then the thought was that like clumsy, the dwarf would be breakdancing, but it was a reading and it was just clumsy. The and dwarf. also like, and um, what was it? It was like the princess and the pea had to sing the song at the time in that concept. And, you know, they had cast someone who was like a comedian, actor, singer type. And it's mm. just like, and like a mezzo soprano, and it's like an alto riffy song. 
and I was, um, and I just kept moving the key around and there was nowhere that it was going to be okay. Um, you're like, it's oh, me. God. I love her with so much. I'm very talented at doing this. I've done it for years and it, sometimes it just won't work. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. Some won't. songs just like aren't meant for that. Um, but it was fun. Oh, I saw Brittany at Radio City. Hello. I was singing Radio City. Ah. Her last tour, the one that like she later uh, in courts revealed that she was basically like threatened in order to do. Uh, she certainly did play Radio City. And I went two nights in a row because the second night... Um, a fan gave me tickets. That was <gasps> one of the nicest things. That's so nice. Yeah, I was really, I was like, oh, oh my gosh. That's really touching. Uh, so that was lit. Um, well, Ryan, we can cut this part out, but is there anything you want me to ask you? Like, what kind of things am I supposed to ask right now? You can ask anything you want. You can ask about music. You can ask about sex. You can ask about dating. You can ask about the trees outside. I'm All an right, open uh, book, Ryan, baby. I want to know about uh, your favorite brand slash brands of lube. Talk to me. Okay. I am currently, what do I got going on? Currently, I'm a Swiss Navy kind of gal. Um, I like it. I top more often than I bottom. So for me, it's nice because it doesn't feel like I am putting on like a slip and slide onto my penis before I have sex with someone. So for sure. me, I'm a Swiss Navy gal. And is that is that water or is that silicone? I'm always like not researched enough. It is silicone for when I am with a partner and I have water based for if I'm playing with a toy. Because uh-huh. if you uh-huh. use silicone on uh-huh. toys, it's bad for it. Got it. Yeah. All right. Well, and then flipping <laughs> to the opposite side, um, uh-huh. who is your favorite Disney princess? Ooh. Quasimodo for sure. <laughs> no sir there are 12 Disney princesses <laughs> and two queens <laughs> um, my do face. I need to give you the marketing spiel <laughs> you said no um, no I have an allegiance to Ariel I went to Milliken I went to mermaid school she will forever yeah. be one of my ladies also like you can't touch part of your world i'm sorry of course i mean one of the best sahangs of all time mm-hmm. i mean one of the but jody's a friend a dear friend and like one of the best days of the tour was she came when we were in atlanta and just like watching her watch it because i knew where she was sitting was like one of just the most beautiful special things but my favorite thing was you know amongst the emotional parts but there's a certain part where cindy winters one of the girls she goes like on the count of three, everybody shout or no um everybody count shout out the name of your favorite princess go and then throws her mic out and everyone just yells like mostly and i saw <laughs> jody followed ariel and i was like yes ma'am yes, yes ma'am. ma'am ariel is here there's a um i don't know if you've had the distinct pleasure to visit millican university in decatur illinois um but there is not. there is a jody benson practice room that's like hidden in the school of music and when I was feeling not so great about what was going on in school, that was the one that I would go to. As you should. Everybody yeah. needs a little mermaid therapy once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ben, this has been so much fun. Thank you for coming on the podcast and chit-chatting about you your life. Thank you for me. Um, anything you want to plug? Where can the children find you? Um, oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> what's happening? Um, well, Disney Princess the Concert is touring around America for the rest of the year. You know, we pick back up in the fall, but we're at the Kennedy Center May 6th <gasps> to 7th with the National Symphony. 
which is wild. Okay. <laughs> um, then we're going to pick up with, we have, we're doing some state fairs in September and then we're on tour for another eight weeks in October. So I'm there um, this summer. I know I've got some concerts coming up with Jason Gote, Ariana DeBose, Jeremy Jordan, kind of flitting about the country, some here. We'll see what else happens, but I'm at B Rauhala, my last name, which is R-A-U-H-A-L-A. And that is, you know, if I remember what my schedule is, it usually goes there. <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah. So that's Great. me. Well, find the Disney princesses, wave to Ben, and until next time, y'all. Bye. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.